0: The following is a presentation of the Belly Sports Media
1: Network. And welcome in everybody to another episode of the High Low Sports Podcast. We appreciate you all for joining us here on this Wednesday evening, or if you're joining us later on from one of your favorite places to listen to podcasts. It's always a pleasure to hang out, watch sports, talk about sports with you all. And this week we got ourselves a bit of a doozy as the NFL season has come to an end, and we got a decent amount here to talk about. Is DJ joined as always by my co-host Kelsey, and you know what, Kelsey, this episode's going to have some good, some bad, some painful, some ugly, and some fun. We're going to play. We're we're going to turn into some real life Cupids at one point a little bit, and we're going to talk about a retirement that's kind of shaking up the football world as well. So we got we got a lot of fun to get into today.
0: Yeah, the retirement we'll wait and get into until the mm. end of the show because I don't want to start out the show sad because mm. there's far too much excitement happening in the next weekend of sports to to talk about. I mean, we just finished with the Natty, now we're going into Wild card weekend, and oh my gosh, did the writers really say we're not scripted and then give this out? I mean, yeah, you talked about it before the yeah, air. This is literally a writers' wet dream. And a mm-hmm. year last year with the writers' strike, the writers like, you know what, we're coming back with a vengeance.
1: So we could get the people writing the NFL season to write the Star Wars movies in recent years because then we'd have a whole different story. But we're not getting into that because this is a sports podcast, not a nerd podcast. If it was, well, I'd be probably a lot more ranty than I even right now. But without further says,
0: ado, as the guy who we had an entire podcast talking about, well, half of a show talking about lightsabers at one point in time,
1: don't think it won't happen again either as well. But we, gonna, we can go into this or you can go into this for a long time. But to get back on course now, we're going to go and jump into the first part of the show that is of course the tip off the tip off of course brought to you by our friends over at SeatGeek. use code belly sports for 20 dollars off your first set of tickets whether it be for a sporting event a concert you name it you can get tickets to it go to SeatGeek, get 20 dollars off your first order and you mentioned earlier too college football season officially has a bow put on it the national champ- championship just wrapped up in michigan taking the top spot capping off a 15 and 0 undefeated season over the Washington Huskies and what was the tale of two of two halves but the weird part is the halves were the first and fourth quarter and then the second and third quarter weirdly enough as well as the first quarter Wolverines literally ran rum shopped and it looked like this was going to be a TCU Georgia part two middle quarter is awfully competitive Washington was in the thick of it very close but no cigar then the fourth then fourth quarter comes around and Michigan puts the stamp on it two times over and mails it out free shipping so Kelsey, we're gonna just kind of take a look at it. First thoughts as we wrap up the national championship.
0: Um, man, Washington's offensive line did hit did Michael Penix no favor. That's that's my first thought. On the flip side of that, despite injuries, Michigan's offensive line still looked like the best offensive line in 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 all of college football. D1, D two, D three, FCS, FPS, I don't care. <laughs> best offensive line across the board. I talked about how good they were up to this point. They showed just how good they were, and again, flipping to the other side of the ball, talking about offensive line for Washington sucking. Well, on the flip side of that, the defensive line and linebackers for for Michigan were fantastic. Uh, I, I don't probably one of the more underrated groupings for the year. I think it's safe to say you talked about the secondary. Like we, the secondary has always gotten the louding. Uh, obviously, with Mike Sandisville getting his pick. Obviously, former receiver as well. Um, shout out out of that that switch over, but yeah, that's I mean, first take Michigan came out and did what they needed to do on all facets of that game. Uh, Really, that's 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 my first takeaways,
1: real realistically, from this one.
0: Uh, It was an overall great game, but just it hurt to watch Michael Penix get hurt so much,
1: exactly. And you can kind of tell Michigan had like an, an NFL defensive scheme out there, too. The way defensive backs were passing off receivers, the way they were playing man, but having like those switch concepts you see at the NFL. Where you can, if like those match concepts as well too, where it's like a man zone, the defensive stunts they ran. I'm not gonna get too far into the into the weird nerd lingo there with it, but they did a lot of NFL defensive things that you do when it's your full time job, not necessarily a college student. Where Washington was kind of still just playing their game, which good luck everybody else for the most part is how it's worked. I mean, they're 14 and 0 for a reason, but that's a hard defense to try and counteract. And I think that I don't want to say froze them, but it took them that extra tick, like Penix, that extra tick in the pocket, the receivers, the extra tick trying to get open on their routes, the linemen that extra ticked the block, and then they knew you weren't going to run the ball very well. Dennis Johnson was banged up, and you didn't have another option. Like You put the other guys in there as soon as they, you had no other option, so you had a crippled running back and were forced to, forced to throw the ball. So I think it was a worst-case scenario for Washington, how that all played out. But on top of it, like Michigan is really just that good. Me and you kind of talked about they were ranked too high too early for not beating anybody. They saved their best for last, the Ohio State. They ran the air out of the ball. Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards, J.J. McCarthy was Jimmy Garoppolo with a less chiseled jawline, and it worked. Yeah, we, we saw it in the first round against Alabama. They Alabama to Alabama, J.J. made a few good plays down the stretch, and they won the game off the backs of Blake Corham and the offensive line, which best offensive line in college football. You could take every other offensive lineman in college football, pick the five best, and put them head-to-head with Michigan, and it's pretty close. That's how good their offensive line has been.
0: Yeah. I mean, and they have a backup center running out there, so that's – that tells you backup center, and I believe it was their backup left guard. At the start of the season, he ended up replacing the original guard. I believe it was a left guard. I do I second. can't remember. Either
1: way, like, there's a lot of – they They just show that offensive line is an absolute unit. That running game is – it looked like Harbaugh, San Francisco 49ers, if we're just going to be blatantly honest about it. And then J.J. McCarthy looked kind of like what Alex Smith looked like in those years as well, too, where manage the game, mo- use your legs, that sort of thing, make a few plays, just don't get in the way. Maybe a little more conserved, a little bit more Jimmy G from – JJ as well, because he threw for like 100 yards in two games, it felt like. But <laughs> either way, you didn't have to when Blake Coram and Donovan were to have full control of the game. And you mentioned the quote-unquote no-name defense for the most part. Really good players. They don't have the Aiden Hutchinson, Heisman Trophy finalists, the David Njabu first-round picks. Oh, excuse me. Any of those guys as well, too. But they still got after and were still incredibly productive. So the question now, I guess, is A, can Michigan repeat, or was this kind of like a one thing that everyone leaves? And B, what do you do with with Harbaugh at this point? Does he come back, or does he decide to take a next step too? So, we that that's an interesting thing we'll be monitoring for sure.
0: Yeah, I, I think you start with the will they repeat? No, and there's that's unlikely. It, it is almost impossible for a team to go fifteen and zero. First of all, second of all, you're probably going to lose your head coach to answer the the Harbaugh question. And we're gonna we're gonna talk about a little more with the coaching situation and not just college football, but the NFL here in a little bit, but. I think Harbaugh doesn't stay. And I think the reason why Harbaugh doesn't stay is because he doesn't feel the need to stay. This was a season, where you talk about Cinderella stories, Michael Penix fulfills that. But then you talk about destiny stories, Michigan hit that to a T. You had your co- head coach suspended twice and missed a total of six games, if I'm not mistaken. I believe so, yeah. Six games in a, what, 12-game thir- regular season? So he missed half of the season. You go 12-0 in the regular season. You get him back for a championship game for your for your uh conference. You win that handily. I mean, granted, it wasn't going up against a big opponent, but you win that handily. But then you go and you get into the playoffs and you just face off against probably the biggest team, the biggest underdog they could face who thrives on being an underdog, who has a coach that is an all-time great and a quarterback who had just been absolutely flowing and surging in that offense that offense probably figured itself out and it's t- top defense still and they come managed to come back and make make a make a fantastic victory and, and I mean uh, on that game was insane to begin with and then now here in the championship game they they didn't blow the doors off Washington yes the final score 34 to 14. that's fine but it wasn't like they blew the doors off them that was the most meticulously planned out offense I've ever seen. Just from step, they I mean, what was it? 30 straight run plays at Penn State? Arguably in this game, minus the, with the little dink passes that J.J. McCarthy's throwing in this game, it felt like the same thing. Yeah, they weren't long passes. He didn't really have the, the need to throw long passes. He could throw the short little dump offs and those things, and they were just fine. He averaged a five-yard completion for the most part and most of the time to his tight end who would just turn around and walk for 12 more yards. <laughs> there was an there was an aspect of destiny to this that was fantastic for Michigan. So to answer your question of what do they come back next year, no, because one, you're losing J.J. McCarthy, which it, as far as talent goes as a quarterback, he may not be the top-tier quarterback, but I've said it 1,001 times on the show, and you've talked about it as well, we like game managers on the show. And JJ McCarthy, despite everybody's opinion on him being great, he is great as a game manager. And he showed that to a T 140 yards on 17 passes, 10 completions. He had 18 completions against Bama for 240 yards. We're not talking lighted up records here. We're talking doing just what you need to do. When you complete seven. Ten yard passes to the wide open receiver, and then watch them scamper for fifteen and twenty yards. You're doing your job right. That's exactly what that offense is made for: is yak. It's run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. If you need to get a first down, five yard dump off passes, five yard you know comebacks, mesh routes, you name it. They are short yarded situations meant to get yak. And that's that's how he succeeds. This is not a bad thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but you lose that. You lose that aspect of a guy who's been developing the system. Who knows how to play the position to win the game? Honestly, you probably lose Blake Corm. I don't see him sticking around. I don't. There shouldn't be a reason. He's just a senior, isn't he too? I think
1: he's actually a senior.
0: Yeah, uh, he's a redshirt. He's a COVID senior. So
1: he ain't coming back though.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean it's one of those. He has an extra year of eligibility. Me might. Um, I also don't think you keep Donovan Edwards after that performance. That that was a fantastic performance for him coming back after what is probably his worst imaginable season. Um, and I don't think he comes back. You probably also lose Rome Wilson or Roman Wilson. I think he's a senior as well. You lose Mike Sanders still on your, in your defense. You lose Herbert in the middle, who, by the way, you talk about under, 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 under named and under talked about defensive lineman, probably one of the top there. He's probably worked himself into a second round pick here coming up in the draft. Um, beyond that, you lose a couple linebackers as well. I think you lose a, 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 another sec, secondary piece as well. There's John, not
1: well Johnson might even be a first round pick when it's all said and done.
0: Yeah, I mean realistically, so you lose a lot of position players here, and then you lose your head coach. I think you have another head coach already on that staff for next year, and 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 take kind of take your pick well, between the defense coordinator and Shamar Moore. You have two coaches that approve they can do it, but I think it's too much of a task to try to go 15 and 0 again next year, or even 14 and one next year, considering what's coming into that conference. I don't think there's enough that'll be available for, for
1: next year overall. Personally, you mentioned what's coming into the conference, too. That includes Washington, who they will get to play again next year as well, too. Granted, these are going to be exact opposite teams. like They are going to be nothing the same, but you got Washington coming over as well. And you got to mention it, too. That means, unfortunately, we have to say RIP to one of your and I's favorite things that we've had since, since the day we were born, and that is the Pac-12 Conference. Unfortunately, this was the final game featuring a Pac-12 team as a member of the Pac-12 and Pac-12 after dark was a real thing. It, no one wants to admit it, especially the, anyone who lived on East Coast time or even Central time could tell you Pac-12 after dark was real. I hate to see it to go. I think, it's, I think it showed this year that those are good teams. There's just... Unfortunately, there's the money just didn't make sense, I guess, and that's where it's gone. So I'm going to miss the Pac-12 personally. We're going to have some fun matchups still with these Super Conferences. Like we mentioned, Washington and Michigan in the regular season next year. And then we have... The, so it'll be... We'll see. I'm gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna miss it though. I'm gonna miss some of those classic battles.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, you mentioned
1: Pac-12 after dark. Um
0: <laughs> honestly, the more more crazy things happen Pac-12 after dark to prevent potential national champion or playoff teams from the Pac-12 than I think at any other point in time at any other conference in the last what, since they became a conference in 2014 or even the Pac-10, even before that. I mean, really, like. That conference was made for havoc, and it it worked. Like it, it was just it was the thing that made sense, and it worked. Uh, you look at Arizona, potentially one of the greatest upset teams in the Pac-12 after dark. Well, Hawaii, everybody forgets when Hawaii was a Pac-10 team. That team was a pain day for everybody to deal with. Remember, I remember it was Colt Brennan for that team, just right. lighting teams up in the Pac-12 after dark. Because in Hawaii, you're talking six hours behind Eastern East Coast time. Like, these guys are playing what is 10 p.m. Eastern time at 4 p.m. their time. USC is not ready to go, be playing this team at 4 p.m. with it light. And yeah, it was great. I mean, think about the great players that have come to the Pac-12, too. I mean, you have Reggie Bush, Matt Leiner, uh, just from USC, from Oregon. There's Mariota. There's uh, Anthony um, Thomas. Anthony Thomas. Um, I mean, yeah. Washington had their own great run of players. From recently, Michael Penix, obviously. You also have Jake Browning, the NFL's new darling, after all of he's going through with, with the Bengals, who also believes he is the top 32 quarterback, but I
1: digress. Um, might have a case, I mean, depending on who. Depending, he might have a case.
0: Yeah, I mean, there are players that have come from this conference that you just look at and you're like, wow, the defensive stars that have come out of the Pac-10, Pac-12. Troy Palomalo being one of them. You have the entire Cushing family. You have the entire Matthews family coming out of USC. Ray Malalaga, like, you name them, they've come out of either USC, Oregon, Arizona, Arizona State, Washington, Washington State, for that matter. The originators of college game day signs in Washington State, and the only team to be at every single college game day with a flag, represented by a flag at every single college game day. Fun fact. Um, no, it, it, it's going to suck missing, losing this team. Um, also, I didn't shout out Oregon State, but you talk about Oregon State up there as well. Um, I do wish the Pac-12 could stay a thing for every other sport. I don't feel like I should not be seeing an Arizona versus Oregon basketball matchup. I, I you know, I hate that. Um, but you know what? So be it. It, it is what it is. I, in, in today's day and age, I don't even think we should have conferences. We're getting to that point. But I digress. I mean, it, we're just getting there. But yeah, no, this sucks. Uh, I mean, the Pac-12 disappearing and it's funny because we talked about it in the covid year right like they took their ball and went home we missed the pac-12 like even <laughs> when the pac-12 took their ball and ran home we still missed them. like secretly deep down it's all of our secret you know love if you like college football to watch pac-12 after dark or even any game in the pac-12 that starts with pac-12 big noon kickoff that originated there and then it became the big 12 big noon cookoff. Um yeah i mean
1: <sighs> it sucks but oh well the deck it's, it's unfortunate. We'll definitely miss it as well. Too. We'll always have the we'll always have the memories to reminisce on. And at least we'll get some good matches coming forward out of it. It might be better. We'll wait and see. We'll see what they have in mind. But I'm always gonna miss the Pac-12 for sure. But that's gonna do it here for the tip-off. And before we get into the main event, too, as well, we, we want to be wide awake for this one as well. Because we we're gonna play a little bit of Tinder slash Cupid in this episode. And Kelsey, you gotta be wide awake for this one. Looks like it. Sure. Looks like you came prepared for it.
0: Yeah. You know, I've I've been wide awake. Uh, every day since this, our good friends over at Magic Mind uh, sent over some tests set, or test samples to try out their product. It's been fantastic, honestly. I struggled with daytime drowsiness, falling asleep at work, which again, I will say it again. If you haven't heard me say it on the show before, I will say it a thousand and one times over. It is not good to fall asleep at work. I've had the issue, I've I haven't done it. I even actually had a conversation today with my manager about it. Um, by the way, the, when I say my manager, I do mean Uh, The second in command at my work, the entire work uh, right behind the owner. So, uh, yeah, not a fun conversation to have, but it was important because obviously he noticed that I have not had the issues anymore. So it's not just myself talking about it. It has come from the top down. Uh, Magic Mind is this nice little fancy drink right here. Just take it along with your morning routine. Uh, Think of it like a new tropic as Joe Rogan refers to it. It has ashwagandha. It has lion's mane mushrooms in it. Um, It has a ton of vitamins and quality products, natural products for you to feel better. Uh, it has been fantastic. I just take it along with my morning routine with like nice little V8 energy drink. Um, or sometimes just a straight half a cup of black coffee. Cause I can't stand coffee. Um, so getting that down is, is already a goal, but the magic mind actually makes it, makes it bearable. Um, absolutely enjoyed it. It's, it's been such a, it's honestly such a help. Um, so if you guys get the opportunity, head on over to magicmind.com slash Jan J A N high low to ch- check out more find out more information and while you're there go ahead and enter our code high low 20 for your chance to get a free month when you're subscribing for three for three months so i'm saying a whole free month free month which is a fantastic deal um, and you also can get an extra 20 percent off which gets you up to a 75 percent off discount 75 percent for this stuff uh, it only lasts until the end of January, so be sure to hurry up uh, before the deal is done, before you end up with that code. The code disappears. That code, again, is high low 20 and you get to there. You go to magicmind.com slash Jan HILO. Or, by the way, if you're in an area where Sprouts grocery stores exist, go check out Sprouts. Uh, they are now in stock for the 2024 year. Uh, it started in January. Um, if I lived near one, I would be there. Unfortunately, I don't live near Sprouts, so I don't get to buy out all their products. Uh, but, no, definitely go check it out, Magic Mind dot com slash jan jan high low and enter the code low 20 for up to 75 off How that
1: yeah, do that? i don't know if i believe in magic but i definitely believe in magic mind so definitely go get that go give that a try as well too once again high low high low 20 for 50 off your subscription order as well too so kelsey you know what we're in the main event now there are seven head coaching opens vacancies open and two potential fringe ones that may or may not be in the oncoming couple of days as well too so we're here to play a matchmaker for nine NFL teams. Almost a third of the league is what we're gonna do it for there are two rules though, only two. One of them is we can't actually, there's really only one rule now. That I think about it. I'm just saying it twice for each of us. We can't use the same coach twice. Otherwise, we basically stuff Ben Johnson and Eric enemy down to all seven teams and call 100 percent So basically, eat that doesn't mean that we can't both use Eric for one, or we can't both use Ben. We just can't use them twice each. So basically, we will get a chance to give someone each one, we'll give each team a head coach that we think is the perfect fit. We're going to start with the two that aren't officially. Well, yeah. let's, let's
0: actually, before we get into it, let's talk about the teams that have that don't have a coach or that don't have a coach right now, this is so everybody knows what teams are we talking about. So don't. We got,
1: so we got the Washington Commanders that are open right now. We got the Atlanta Falcons, thank goodness. We have the it's Los Washington. Angeles Chargers, the Las Vegas Raiders, the Tennessee Titans, the Carolina Panthers, and as of like three hours ago, this six hours ago, the Seattle Seahawks. Those are the seven teams with official vacancies. We also are going to talk about the Bears and the Patriots, two teams that not officially openings, even though the Bears fired everybody but the head coach already. So we'll see, but we're gonna we're gonna go and picks for them just in case, which could incl- include sticking with Bill Belichick or Matt Eberflus. So those are options as well too. But so those are the nine teams we're gonna go over. We're gonna go and start with the Bears. They're first on the clock. Let's get them first on the list while we're at it as well too. I'm gonna go with the Bears. I don't think Matt Eberflus is the answer. I think Maddie, I think they have to move on for him. I don't think – it wasn't a good hire to begin with, in my opinion. We talked about it at the time. When you you had a young quarterback that you brought with a lame duck head coach, with Matt Nagy, it was destined to fail. I don't think you could repeat the same situation. You're picking number one. Most likely you're taking a quarterback at this point, it feels like, as well, too, for a reload. They, all signs kind of point in that direction. I wouldn't blame them at this point. Maybe they keep fields, but you've already seen – which also goes into my point. You've seen Justin Fields and Matt Eberflus doesn't work. It has not worked so far it, in the in their two years. They have, I think, eight wins in two years, nine wins in two years. It is not good. One of those years, they were the worst team in the league. And so far, and they've done very little to... And then that against Green Bay in your own division, you're, you won't lost like 10 division games in a row. You, just, you can't have that. You got hot at the back end of the season against some bad teams for the most part, including a couple teams on this list. So I think... Maddie Refleuse has to go, in my opinion. You also have to hire an entire coaching staff as it is. So keeping a head coach and then firing his entire staff almost never works. So everything points to you kind of have to reload at this point. In my opinion, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the big gun early. I'm I'm sending a blank check to Eric B. I mean, like, do you want Justin Fields? Yes or no? Yes, what do you want? Come help us make this work. And then you could drink Eric, do you want Caleb Williams or Drake May or Jaden Daniels or one of those guys? I like him. Cool. Come on down. We'll trade Fields and get a pick. get a conditional pick or something like that, so you have more to work with in the future. If Carson Wentz can net a second, that turns into a first. They can get the same for Fields, I'd imagine. So either way, you can net. It. Then you get your choice of whatever quarterback you like, whether it's Caleb Williams, who we even talked about last week on the show. Some reluctancy with, especially a number one overall. Maybe like Drake Maymore. I don't know. Maybe you love Jane Daniels and see him as Lamar Jackson. I don't know. Whatever quarterback you like, maybe you love Bo Nix and you want to take, trade a couple of spots back. I don't know. Whatever it is, your best quarterback situation, I'm calling Eric BNME and bringing him into. because you already have DJ Moore. You have two top 10 picks, second or third most cap space available in the NFL, and a defense that finished in the top, I think it was top 12, with a recently signed Montez Sweat, who led two teams in sacks. Old first player in NFL history did that. Yeah. There's a lot to work with there. They weren't the worst team in the league. They just happened to have the number one pick. So I'm going to go with the big guns. I'm going to go get Eric Bieniemy because they need it. They need somebody to work offensively because hiring the lame duck coaches right after and then has not worked so far. Like what they did with Nagy and what they did with Flutie, they can't do it again this year. With if they're getting a new quarterback, if they're going to bring a young rookie, they can't do the lame duck quarterback, the lame duck head coach and quarterback on his last leg situation again, like they did with Trubisky and Nagy and just. Either way, that's what I'm doing. I'm going with Eric Bieniemy. I'm bringing in the big gun. I'm giving him the head coaching opportunity. Ryan Poles has shown to be a competent GM who does very well in those second through fifth rounds, and I'm gonna t- I'm gonna take my chances. I'm bringing Eric Bintami to finally get an offense in Chicago, so Jay Cutler is no longer the leading passer in a single season or the leading overall passer in Bears history. That name is coming down from the top.
0: All right, all right. You know what? I don't hate it. Let me just say that I don't hate it. Uh, I do, however, disagree. Not strongly, but I do I do disagree. And the biggest reason I disagree is there's a head coach in waiting for a team currently in the playoffs that I think is gonna get the nod. Just so happened to lead a resurgent young superstar quarterback into a top seed in the AFC. And I'm reaching to Todd Munkins. I'm I'm pulling the card. I think Todd Munkin just made that step into Baltimore and has shown that he can succeed. And he's talking about a guy who recruited Justin Fields. I don't think Justin Fields should go from Chicago, period. What better way to get the best out of Justin Fields than the guy who got the best out of him in his one year at Georgia and got him to Georgia despite the odds that he would not play at Georgia? He still came to Georgia because of this man, and that is Todd Munkin. I think he's a fantastic offensive coordinator. I think he is a guy that can get this team to work because his offense is based off of speed and quick releases. We had Lamar Jackson have the shortest time to release this year. What better way to keep Justin Fields healthy than to provide this shortest time to release? Oh, by the way, he just so happens to have just coached the most prolific runner we've seen from a quarterback in the history of the NFL and Lamar Jackson. So he knows how to handle the legs that come with Justin Fields. So you better believe there's going to be some full house packages where Justin pulls out the backside and runs for 60 yards. So give me Chicago taking Todd Munkin, not taking Caleb Williams, trading that pick back and getting a boatload of picks in this year and next year's and probably the year after that draft because somebody's trying to get Caleb Williams at one, but it's not going to be Chicago. Todd Munkin, I was a year early on, on Chicago. I think I think that's safe to say I didn't I thought they were gonna finish second in the division. They didn't quite make it there. They almost did though. But I think with Todd Munkin, this team, this team has a chance.
1: You know what? I didn't really think about Todd Munkin because he's been in the NFL for less than 365 days and it's amazing the impact he has. But he is a two-time champion. If the Ravens pull it off, he'll have won three championships in a row as an offensive coordinator. If they keep fields, I love that idea. I love that idea if they keep fields. I'm still I'm still not sure what they're going to do cuz how often do you get the chance at the number 1 overall pick and how often do you get it twice in a row? That is what I'm wondering as well too. Obviously, their scouting department's going to do their work and figure out yeah. All right, do you prefer any of these guys to Fields? Do you think you, the Fields is about to hit his peak or that's up to them to figure out. I don't get paid to do that and I have honestly we haven't fully started draft season yet. Yeah. But what I will say is if they do keep Justin Fields, I love that move. That's probably the best move they can make because it's there's a lot of parallels there to it trade back and grab Brock Bowers just is just for fun. Then you have your Mark like Todd recruited. Exactly. And you'll have your version of Mark Andrews there for him as well. That makes life a whole lot easier. You'll have two top 10 picks here. If you don't trade back too far and a bunch elsewhere, like, like they can, they can make that work if they keep feels. I like that. I like Todd Bunkin a lot if they do keep him, but we're both in agreements. Matt Ebro's Great guy, good defense coordinator, but just got to You're going to have to take another opportunity down the line. Like it's just not working in Chicago right now.
0: Yeah, and I will say this about Iberflus. I think he's the second best option right now. And I think that's just because of a situation where I don't think you can go get anybody that we're probably going to talk about. I don't think Chicago has the open checkbook enough to go get these guys compared to some of these other teams. Like some of these other teams have a much bigger checkbook and some, and maybe even a better option for going to them. So he, they're probably going to see their top pick. If they don't get, I, I for, for me, I think Munken is that top pick. For you, obviously, you're going yeah, to be enemy. I don't think if they get that, if they can't get that top pick, I don't think they want to change. If that makes yeah. sense. So a, I know yeah, it's a decision you kind of can't really make without like knowing for sure behind the scenes, and technically that's tampering. But it's the NFL. Nobody cares.
1: Yeah, they'll have to fill it out and make the right decision as well. It is odd that you fired the entire coaching staff minus the head coach so far though, as well. Too. So even if you are keeping them, you're not doing, you're making it look very odd at this point as well, considering nothing is locked in stone, but we digress. We got a lot, but we got eight more teams to run through. Next we got the new England Patriots, Bill Belichick, not officially gone yet, but there's a, we'll see sort of thing. And I'm just going to say, I think Bill Belichick stays one more year. I don't, I think you don't want to be the guy that gets rid of Bill Belichick at this point, top three pick a chance to, I think you take away his GM and player personnel duties for sure. I think you get an actual GM, an actual team, and there's like, Bill, you, you're in disgust with the GM, but the GM's making that decision one way or another. Like, you can, you will deal with what you were given. You're not taking Cole Strange in the first round anymore or trading back from that three pick to get 17 seventh round picks or whatever Bill likes to do. So I think I, I'm giving Bill one more year. He's done, say what you will, he hasn't won as much without Tom Brady. It's when you go from Tom Brady to Mac Jones, that's a pretty big drop off there. And, or and that one year of 80-year-old Cam Newton basically. And then Bailey Zappi who Bailey Zappi season, but they're still there the ceiling is low, and that's not a height joke either. So I yeah. think this gives him a chance to get somebody, gives gives him a chance if he wants to still stay and they're willing to keep him. They just they need a GM to get in receivers, get in offense to actually draft the team. Cause on game day, Bill's still as good as anyone. Defensive game planning, coaching, situational football, all that good stuff. He just can't put the team together like that, like that. He just His drafting has fallen off the cliff because he can't take the risks he used to be able to take. Him and Tom Brady were a perfect synergy where he could take some risk and Tom couldn't mask it. Tom could kind of do his thing and Bill can mask it here. They were a perfect synergy. Now you took 55 to 60% of that strength away and Bill hasn't quite been able to match it. So I'm taking to his GM duties, but I'm keeping him as head coach for Let him break that record with the Patriots. I think that's the goal for
0: Kraft. I don't think it happens. It's not going to be a happy ending. Yeah, I don't think it happens. And I, I don't think we see Bill, Bill, Belichick on the, Bill Belichick on the sidelines for New England this year. I'm going to throw that out there. I, I know it's not a blasphemous choice or anything. I think a lot of people are probably 50-50 on this one. Um, I just think that this... this Honestly, this relationship kind of has been eroding since the Jimmy Garoppolo trade. When they... When Kraft said, hey, Garoppolo's our next in line. Start getting him ready. And instead, Belichick's like, you know, I like your idea, but uh I'm gonna trade him instead. <laughs> and like that's that was the telltale signs. Um, and then followed by trading every one of his other backups that year. That was kind of wild. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think he's gonna be there. I'm looking at Kraft now. He's he's had a stalwart coach in there for <sighs> basically my whole life and your whole life here. It feels like Um, he's had a dynasty with Belichick since the, since the Browns left Cleveland and then came back. Bill Belichick has pretty much been on the sidelines for new England. Uh, I believe 98 is when he took over. Correct me if I'm wrong on that, but I believe 98 is the year. Um, Yeah. Uh, So what are you looking to do? You're looking to find a young coach who has cut his teeth with some of the best coaches in the game. I'm going to Seattle I'm calling Shane Walden, a guy who was gonna go be a head coach at Auburn, by the way. I'm I just happen to be wearing the Auburn shirt for this. But he decided not to go and to go back to Pete Carroll and the offensive staff there for two years and stay and make it make something of himself. And you know what? I think he showed that that with Geno Smith, he can do something. Well, go do it with a head coach now. I think he's going to jump at an opportunity. I think New England's going to offer him opportunity, and they're going to stay, f- they're going to stay fiscally responsible with this one and bring in Shane Walden for not a whole lot of money, but they can build a great staff there, a young staff, something that Kraft wants to then replicate what we got with Bill, but on the opposite side of the ball, so he doesn't have to see the most boring football he's ever watched again for the next 10 decades. Um, so he's going to bring in Waldron. I think that's a guy that, from a passing standpoint, is the complete opposite of what you've seen in New England, but something that with Bailey Zappi, especially since he's the guy right now, is a perfect fit. We're talking about a high-octane, high pass-it-up offense. Oh, guess what? Bailey Zappi came from Western Kentucky. I don't think there's a higher-octane offense in college than that as far as passing game goes. And I think Waldron brings that to the table, brings an opportunity to get the best out of what's currently there and then also develop something even better um, going forward. So, yeah, give me Shane Waldron here from Seattle going to New England.
1: Not to mention they do have pick number three. So a hey, Jaden Daniels, Drake May, Penix. Like there are some options on the work with if they don't want to roll with Zappi as well too so he'll have the option to kind of pick the quarterback that he wants on top of, which I think it's a really that's a really good pick. And it's a good segue to our next option because now we're heading to Seattle. The most recent head coaching option is Pete Carroll mutually agreeing to step into an advisor role to slash retiring slash point is there's a head coaching opening in Seattle. You know what? I'm going to, I do like that Shane Walden pick. I would like him a lot here. But for ish and giggles, I'm going to go elsewhere because I want to see him stay one more year as offense coordinator and become like the top candidate, if that makes sense, which I think he could do. I'm going to bring in your least favorite head coach argument on this list. I'm going to bring in Mike Vrabel if I'm the Seattle Seahawks on this one. Okay. Won three, went to the playoffs three years in a row, won a division title, was number one seed in the AFC with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback. Geno Smith, Ryan Tannehill was as good as G- or Geno Smith's as good as Ryan Tannehill was during that time. Oh, DJ Brown was awesome during that time before the GM inexplicably traded him for Traylon Burks, a move we laughed at on our live cast. I'm still the- laughing
0: about every single moment. I, and by the way, uh, somebody from Jared Show still owes me ten bucks on Traylon Burks. So uh, actually, I don't know if he's on Jared Show anymore.
1: Dun dun dun. <laughs> but that leads to you now. You have DK Metcalf, who oh, we all know about the similarities there. Tyler Lockett it, is out there. You don't have Derrick Henry. Instead, you got Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet. You got a good offensive line, a young defense. As long as Jamal Adams isn't on the field getting toasted as coverage, they've been very good as well. So I don't mind Mike Rabel there as that head coach. Just gets everybody ready to play. Tennessee always just – they get the most out of what they have. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's not the best. Sometimes it's not the worst. But I think you give him that with Shane Walden running the offense one more year. I think they could flip it. Maybe this will be kind of like I was with the Ravens. I was one year early. And then you saw our predictions last year. Maybe it'll be Seattle. I was one year early on this year because I clearly missed it this year. Maybe I was just off by a year. So I'm going to say Mike Vrabel heads up to Seattle and brings a lot of the same things Coach Pete Carroll did to the team but with a different younger perspective. Because I know Dan Quinn is the hot commodity bringing him back to Seattle, but I'm like, no, you need to turn the page on the Legion of Boom. It is over. Move forward.
0: That's fair. You know what? I like the Mike Vrabel pick for what you're talking about for bringing to the team. But what is one great thing about Pete Carroll that's always been talked about in his career, whether it was a USC or now in the pros, even to his early stint in the pros prior to USC? What was the one thing every player ever said about him? Pretty much a player's I, coach. Absolutely. I would run through a wall for that man. There's a coordinator that just so happens to be that way. Um, also, speaking of coordinator, I, I don't know. I'm just getting to the coordinator role, I guess, for it right now. But uh, I think... I I talked about the number one team in the AFC. Now I'm going to flip to the NFC and talk about a top team in the NFC, not the number one team, but could have been the number one team. And I'm going to look at their defensive coordinator. Go to Detroit, and the guy that has been voted the highest rated coordinator by players in the NFL, that is Aaron Glenn.
1: Dun, 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 the plot twist. We're going to Detroit, but not in the same way everyone else is talking.
0: No, it's not Ben Johnson. I'm going with Aaron Glenn. You talked about the defense. The defense is the big reason why. You give Aaron Glenn that defense with those pieces, I don't care whether El Presidente is on the field or not.
1: I do. I prefer him to not be on the field.
0: I mean, for interceptions-wise, maybe not, but maybe slide him into a, a linebacker role.
1: Oh, you know, that's what he's Put him at defensive end at this point. Look, Keanu Neal
0: made a there's – there's a role in college called a star player. It's it's kind of a hybrid linebacker safety. He plays a lot of times in the box. There is no reason you can't put him as a star situation or rover or whatever they want to call it and let him just dominate teams in different ways. I honestly think the same thing can happen in LA with Derwin, but uh, I digress. Anyways, Aaron Glenn, I think, is the perfect fit for this team because he feels the the need for a player's coach to be there. You have a whole plethora of athletes there that love to play for coaches. You can make, if you can get them on your side, you will have them running through walls. Talk Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, Bobby Wagner, El Presidente himself, the entire defensive line, take your pick. Um, they're all fantastic. Jordan Brooks. I, I mean, you're talking about guys here that want to play for a coach. They've shown they can play for Pete Carroll, and Geno Smith is probably the best example of him. Now you bring in Aaron Glenn, who is a former player, player's coach, knows what he's doing, knows what he's talking about. Give this man an opportunity in Seattle, and I don't think he's going to hate it. I think Seattle fans will be very happy with him as a i don't know what colors they are so i'm not going to try to say them it's like navy and neon green i guess but
1: navy neon gray green dark yeah, green, whatever dark. <laughs> whatever combination of seahawks
0: colors you want to call it um i think that yeah there's a lot of opportunity there for them and i think i think going with them is, is the way to go there
1: absolutely that I, I like that pick as well and i think Aaron, you've seen he's done a lot with that paint with that uh sorry with that detroit lions defense and it's a limited defense as far as personnel goes, and he still is finding a way to make them respectable as well. So in Seattle, that'll be a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. So Jared says it's the predator role. It is in some defenses. In other defenses, it's called a star or it's called a grover, a, a rover, or it's called cowboy. If it's an Oklahoma State team, um, it's cowboy. There are a thousand and one different names for it. It's the same thing, though. It's a hybrid linebacker, safety. They roll into the box, they dominate. Aaron Glenn has talked about using he's actually used it at times with this with this team um as well sliding brian branch in that role which he doesn't really stay in the box brian branch ends up playing center field He's during. too much coverage for that yeah yeah so uh but no yeah i think it's uh, you're talking here i think seattle will just be so happy with with somebody like aaron
1: glenn i think it's a re- i think it's a really good fit and i think like you mentioned he'll get the most out of the team that they have there that i feel like underachieved a little bit this year as well and you know we're going to move on next we're going to go to the literal worst team in the league record wise it doesn't even have a pick to show for in the carolina panthers before we get into it, Jared, of course, has here. Yeah. He said, Brian Johnson is the next head coach of the Panthers, and he is here for it. You know who else loves that idea? Bryce Young, because he did not have a whole lot of favors this year. Limited personnel all over the place. Frank Wright, really good coordinator, really good position coach. But as a head coach, limitations, I think we could say as well. And on top of it, he didn't even get the guy he wanted on top to go with it. So I think that one was just a mess to begin with. So we're li- this is where it gets kind of goofy, because I'm looking at Carolina and there's not a lot that want people want to go there for if that makes sense as well. Like you look at, it's like wow, two and fifteen did not lead for a single minute of the entire season. They did not have a single second where they were actually leading in a game. They only the two games they won were on field goals as time expired. So they had they spent zero minutes and zero seconds the entire season with a lead. That is, I don't think that has ever been done before. Besi- I don't think it's actually ever been done before. That's actually truly phenomenal, especially for a team that won two wins. You have a quarterback who I think you and I both think could still be good in the NFL. I don't think the storybook is written on Bryce Young, but we see where the limitations kind of come into play a little bit. And on top of that, your number one receiver is 50 year old Adam Thielen and John and uh, Mingo, who manages to find ways to get both feet out of bounds along the sideline. Not that's bounds. amazing, but he's fantastic, but they clearly has some work to do with not DK Metcalf or AJ Brown out of the gate. And you don't have a lot of cap room and you don't have a lot of picks. So it's a very tough situation to go into. I'm, Honestly, I think the goofiest thing, and I'm going to roll with it, you're going to coach from one rookie quarterback. You're going to poach another one. You're going to go into Houston. You're going to take Bobby Sloat, the offensive coordinator, out of Houston. You're going to try and bring him over to be the head coach and offensive mind, too. Everything that he helps CJ Stroud with, I think you're going to try and bring that over with Bryce Young as well, too, because on top of it, the owner seems like he'd be that kind of petty of a guy. I mean, he throws drinks at people during the games. It seems like a petty move that I think makes sense as well, too. It has a lot of the same – Matt Lafleur, Sean McVay vibes as well too, like that really, really freakishly young, almost our age offensive mind who finds a way to just kind of, that can manage the game and find players in the middle rounds of the draft, especially when you don't have this early pick. You need receivers, you need offensive line, defense. It looks like they're gonna let Jeremy Chin go. I so there's some interesting things going on there, but I like they did bring in Bobby, Bobby Slovic from. Houston get a chance to mold with Bryce and get a chance to go with him, get a chance to grow with him because you know that Houston scouted Bryce but you, know, you know he was on their list just because you had probably their number one pick because they figured it was going C J. Exactly, because so like there's was an expectation that C J. Stroud was going to go number one as well too. So <laughs> you you know what? Uh, I'll I'll let you we'll talk it. about this a little bit later, Kev. Don't mm-hmm. worry, don't worry.
0: This is a this is a conversation on the board for later.
1: It, it's definitely that, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Bobby Slovic to be for the head coach for for Carolina.
0: You know what? That was one of my options. Honestly, Bobby was number two on my list. And not because he shouldn't be there. I think he should be a head coach potentially in the league. I just don't think yet. Um, but I think Carolina wants to find somebody they can kind of boss around. And I don't mean that Carolina as a whole. I literally mean that from the owner standpoint. You talked about how petty he is. I think that's a big part of it. But he also is going to be at least intelligent enough that he's like, Hey, our offense needs improvement. What can we do? Let's bring in a young offensive coordinator. He's going to do that. He's going to go down to Miami and take their offensive coordinator, Frank Smith. I think Frank Smith makes the move. I think this is going to be the shock pick. I know Brian Johnson is, in. you know, to judge point, he's in talks to be interviewed here. I think Frank Smith is the guy they end up going with here, and I think it's because he's inexperienced, because he's under Mike McDaniel. I think he comes from that same tree of coaches, you know, that, Large, drawn-out tree where you see Sean McVay. You have D'Amico Ryan. Now you have you know you have McDonald, it's Robert Sala. Like all these guys come from the same tree, and so now their offspring are starting to get their 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 picks. Carolina is going to be like, I want to pick the young guy. I want to be the smart one on the. Uh, it's not going to work. I don't think it's going to work. But I think this is a situation where it's a, it's not an ideal situation for any coach. I don't think. I think there's opportunities there. I think the defense is good. I just don't think for a coach with a real chance at a job, I mean, I don't say that like a, as a bad thing. I don't mean like a real coach, but like an Eric Bieniemy, they're not going to get. They're going to have to start reaching down on the pecking pole. The Dan Quinn's, they're not going to get. Honestly, Dan Quinn was on my thought list, but I'm like, <laughs> Dan Quinn's not going to submit himself to that. He had to deal with stupid stuff in Atlanta, even though it wasn't the owner's problem. It was the GM problem in Atlanta. But he's not going to submit himself to that. Ben Johns is not going to submit himself to that. I think Slowick likes D'Amico Ryans and likes coaching CJ Stroud, and I think he wants to get a couple more years of experience. That's why he doesn't make the move. That's why he's only number two. So I'm going to take Frank Smith here. I don't know. I don't know how much he's involved in the, in the actual offensive play calling, but I know he's involved in the scheming for the game. So... Yeah, I don't. I, this is a tough one because I don't really like any real choices for this. And I think this is a situation where I'm just like, you know what? Frank Smith might be the guy. And it's just going to be reaching out. So, yeah, I'm going to go Frank Smith and the Dolphins, the OC there. I think this is going to be the surprise of the offseason. Kind of just like, oh, wow, what? because they don't have a first round pick. So you're kind of in a lot of ways just getting a throwaway type of pick
1: what i think it's interesting is coming from that mike mcdaniel offense tree too is like there there's a lot of running schemes and developments and that sort of thing too and i think that'll help carolina a lot you paid a lot for miles sanders you got chuba hubbard who looks to be the number one back right now you could find ways to use both of them like they did down there with Devin hn and raheem moster to get a little of the pressure off bryce young so he's not constantly dying back there basically so i i i wouldn't hate that pick honestly It'd be a surprise but it would I can see where it makes sense. If they hired him, I don't think they would do it for those reasons. I think it'd just be the owner, as you mentioned, doing it for the wrong reasons. The math is wrong, but the equation might end up being right in the end anyway.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think that's exactly right. Like I hope for Carolina players' sakes that it works out. And I hope I'm wrong. And I hope it's like a great situation. And maybe what we've seen from their current owner is not exactly the way it actually is. But if this has been talked about with him when he before he bought the team. This isn't talked about now. I mean, this is a situation where I yeah, I don't think it's a good situation in which Frank Smith gets his opportunity, but I think he's going to make the best of it despite the owner, if that makes sense.
1: It looks like a duck. It smells like a duck. It quacks like dust. We're definitely not talking about a mongoose here at this point. So it's definitely. Next, we're going to go to the Tennessee Titans as well, too. A bit of a surprising one seeing them get rid of Mike Vrabel as well. So they have a head coaching opening. Derek Henry looks like he is going to be leaving as well. DeAndre Hopkins might be on the way out on top of it. Seventh overall pick, some good players, but a lot of cap space and a young quarterback. For this one, I'm gonna say they shock the NFL world. I'm gonna say they take Nick Seriani after the Eagles fire him after Monday. I'm just joking. That one, that I, I couldn't say that the straight face. I was all hard. right, that was I, that was, I that one wanted a right right. lot off. Right. off a mouth cannon with that one. I don't, I don't think that'll happen as well. Well, that what's going on TikTok. <laughs> the heck, it is, but I. <laughs> I think what they need is they need a guy who could kind of write the ship a little bit as well to someone that could work with Will Levis on that offense. I mean, that division, you have a quarterback who's been nicknamed the Prince has promised one that someone in our, that Jared is called the black Aaron Rodgers and CJ Stroud, And then Cam Newton slash on McNabb and Anthony Richardson. If he could stay healthy, like it a loaded division, a quarterback. You've got to find somebody you have Will Levis who, Maybe not quite on the level of those guys, but we don't know yet. He's st- he's made some plays. We'll have to wait and see. He just needs to drink his coffee a little bit better and eat bananas like an adult. But other than that, there's still something to work with there. The wrong nutrient from in banana. Yeah, exactly. But I think you have. I think you want somebody who could kind of manage both ends of the team too, because defensively is still where they're strongest. I like Raheem Morris from from mm-hmm. the Los Angeles Rams. He's coached offense. He's coached defense. He was a hot candidate for a lot of teams last year. I think last year when we were talking about, it, he was one of the three picks I had for the Colts as well. Would have been one of the top three choices. I think Raheem Morris, you can get, he knows how to put together a good head coaching staff, and he has experience winning as a head coach as well. And right after the Titans, you are behind the eight ball compared to those other teams. And I, I think he's somebody that can help bridge that gap real quick, fast, and then hurry with him. So give me Raheem Morris heading to Tennessee.
0: Wow. Interesting. Okay. I don't hate it. I, let me just be very clear. I'm saying, I'm not saying interesting because of that. I'm saying interesting because we're, we're along the same lines here. As far as I think Raheem Morris is going to be in the candidacy here for the Tennessee job. I don't think he's the guy they're going to go with. I think they just got rumored talking to Mike Kafka from the Giants for the, uh, you know, for his role as OC. Um, By the way, talk about a throwaway pick. Hmm. Anyways, um, I think they're going to try to shock the world, You, you know, talked about what they're trying to do here. I think you you have a chance to reinvigorate a franchise, an expansion franchise, mind you, a fill-in franchise, if you, if you will, in a division where, yes, there are a lot of great young quarterbacks, but you know what there's not really a lot of? There's one right now is a great young head coach. Well, what about an experienced coach in this division? Doug Peterson, one good season under his belt, two good awesome. seasons under his belt.
1: Two young coaches. We got Tamiko and Shane, both young kids.
0: That's fair. Shane Sagan as well. Yeah. So, two young coaches, an older, pretty well experienced, a Super Bowl winning coach. Well, how do you compete with that? I think you're going to go drop, talk about a blank check up in Ann Arbor. Talked about this in the leadoff. I don't think Jim Harbaugh returns because I don't think he
1: feels a need to. So, you have the Tennessee Titans going from an Ohio State guy to a Michigan guy back to back with no buffers 1000%. And Nash.
0: not, gonna, but they're going to drop a bomb on the contract. Mm-hmm. I think Harbaugh signs for a few bankrolls. Um, it's going to be insane the numbers you're going to see on his contract. And I think Tennessee has the mo- the opportunity to pony up for that. Not only are they starting over with Will Levis, they're starting over at running back now. It's probably going to be Tajay Spears there. You're probably bringing in a whole bunch of new receivers. Talk about Traylon Burks. I don't think he's going to still be there. You talk about defense. That defense is young, inexperienced, but it's talented. There is talent there that can be taken advantage of. So if he hires the right staff, which he has shown in his career, he can. He can develop a staff, and he can develop a team. And that's important. Because I think Tennessee is looking to reinvigorate this franchise, reinvigorate a fan base before they get the new stadium in Nashville, as well as develop a team for the future of Nashville. You're talking about a team that's hoping, and like a city that wants great football. There's not great football in the state of Tennessee. Kev can agree with me like that. It is disgusting football in Tennessee. They wear disgusting gaudy orange at the in at one part of that, that state. And the other Tennessee Titans, it's not a great team to watch. And I think the t- ownership is tired of seeing boring football. And I think we're going to see exciting khakis and cleats on the sideline. God, I didn't say that out loud. I did say that out loud. Okay. We're going with it. Ta- John Harbaugh, khakis and cleats, gonna be roaming the sidelines in Nashville
1: all right we got both hardballs back in the nfl as well so that'll be something interesting we'll keep that would be fun to watch as well and that'd be if you're gonna get rid of a variable you better bring in a bit of a a bit of a big a shot. big fish like that as well so you can't just do that then go get frank smith as much as i think frank smith has a future as a head coach i don't know about that like that exactly but you know what next we're gonna go we're gonna go to where the pac 12 used to be r.i.p Pac-12. we're gonna go to the los angeles chargers and Right now they have themselves a situation. You have a quarterback, you are set there, but everything else is a mess. Your salary cap is second worst in the NFL behind the Saints who are their own travesty. You have a bunch of defense players who are in the highest paid defense in the NFL that ranked like 32nd, I believe it was. I think they were the worst. You're high, you have Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, Derwin James, all these guys making so much money, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. You're those, at least two of those names are going to be gone this offseason. They have to this one. And Austin Eckler you could throw in there as well too. You got to make a splash. You're in Los Angeles, the city of stars, if you will. Like the Lakers, we see with the Rams. Copy and paste what you said about John about Jim Harbaugh. Bring him into the Los Angeles Chargers. They my initial pick was going to be Dan Quinn, honestly. I, that was my mm-hmm. thought to the most. how but what you said about Harbaugh, you sold me. I'm just placing him instead of in the South. We're throwing him to the West Coast. He's returning back to California. Khakis and cleats on the side, sideline. Justin Herbert, the What he did with Colin Kaepernick, we saw the kind of offense and explosiveness they could put together around that. Well, now you got Justin Herbert with arguably the strongest arm in the NFL, mobility, young quarterback, pretty good young offensive lineman when they can stay healthy like Rashawn Slater, et cetera. A pick number seven, I believe it is as well, too. And they need a GM. So at this point, you got Harbaugh's going to be the GM that he likes, I'd imagine, or they're going to pair those two up. And Harbaugh's going to have a lot more say in player personnel decisions, I'd imagine, is what they're going to give him, too. That's kind of his big thing with San Francisco was the falling out was him and the GM bulky and the ownership, etc. So this time he's gonna get a little bit more say in what he wants, a little bit more. He's gonna have a he's gonna have bigger hands in the kitchen, if you will. Like he's gonna be the head chef. He's gonna be the one that they call chef. So you know what? Get that blank check open, get some buzz back in Los Angeles for the Chargers. Go ahead and bring in Jim Harbaugh to coach up Justin Herbert. Pac 12 reunite. And re Pac 12 reunite. Pac 12 never die.
0: Okay. All right. I don't hate it. Let me be clear. I don't hate it. Because for the same reasons I said for Harbaugh going to Tennessee, I agree that L.A. could 100% make that. But I think they're going a different route when they want to create a buzz. I think they want to go defensive. I know they just had a defensive coach, but it didn't work out, let's be honest. like Staley was not the guy. Yes, you have Kellen Moore there, a coach in waiting. It's
1: not his time yet. Especially when he turned down the interim role, too. That was a little bit like, oh, you want to preserve your, that's weird. That's kind of, that's coaching scared a little bit there. Exactly. So,
0: was a guy who's not afraid to be confrontational, if you will, who put himself out there and had no issue throwing a former franchise under the bus with all of their misgivings. And has been a resurgent coach, a fantastic defensive coordinator, if you will, a team that in Minnesota has turned it around. Going Brian Flores, I said it earlier this year when Staley got fired. I think Brian Flores will be the head coach of the LA Chargers. I think this is a perfect fit. You talk about yes, there are pieces on this defense that will be shipped out, but there are also young pieces on this team that are very good, very good. And that's defensively. You have Derwin still. I think Derwin's the guy that stays. I don't think Max stays, and I'm, you might even see Bosa go. I don't. I don't know about that one, but I think his contract's just too big
1: for how injured he was too.
0: Exactly. Offensively, I don't think you lose a whole lot there. I think you probably lose Mike Williams out of everybody. But outside of that, I don't think you lose a lot. And again, talk about a guy who's often injured. But I think you get Brian Flores coming in here. Reinvigorates that locker room. Again, players coach and a guy who's not afraid to put his neck out there. And you need that in L.A. in a team who's been much maligned for their fans or lack thereof, you need a coach that they can rally behind. There's no better coach right now on the market that you can rally behind other than Brian Flores, in my opinion. I think he's the one that can bring a franchise, bring a fan base to the stadium. Not because of what he'll say, but just, honestly, his story. Think about it. Like, what the Dolphins did to him was egregious. That was probably the worst thing I've ever seen happen to a head coach. Not just him, but the entire NFL for that six months, eight months after that happened. That was egregious. That was a... And to see him come back, put all that behind him, and lead a Vikings defense to a top ten defense at one point in time this year. There's a late season drop up felt to fall out of it, but talk about defense that was really good this year in the chance to be a top team in the NFC North. But you know, I think he just makes that move. I think LA drops the, drops the hammer on this one and brings in Brian Flores.
1: I like it a lot. I like Brian Flores. I think he should be a head coach. And weird enough, as. Dumb as his exit from Miami was, I think it ended up being the better move for both of them because it got the most out of two. Uh Brian and Mike McDaniel was the surprising fit that worked out very, very well. And I think Flores is gonna get a better head coaching job in a situation where he's gonna like it better as well. Too I don't he turned around Miami very greatly, but clearly two was not his guy and he was stuck with him. Basically, he, he even said it.
0: defense. I mean, that what he's done with touching a defense in the
1: last three stops he's had has been insane. Absolutely. Like defensively, I think he can get, a. I think he can get a lot of them. I think he's a good leader as well. I think next year is when I think I'm going to be looking at him as well, too. He could get nods this year. I wouldn't be surprised either. He's the one I almost feel like next year it's going to, he's going to be at the top of the list. Kind of like what Dan Quinn's expected to be this year. I think that's going to be Florida's next year, but I agree with you. He's, he's going to get a spot somewhere. This would be a great spot. He even kind of joked, if I'm not mistaken, rumors where he told Tua, I should have taken Justin. I wish we took Justin Herbert instead. of you." So, you know what? You get him now. So, you know what? That, that fits as well, but moving down the list now we got a couple of teams left we'll try and cruise through these here quickly next we got the atlanta falcons praise be to everybody that there's no longer arthur smith leading the way there i think they can go just about any direction in the world and they will be just fine here because you're getting an upgrade almost no matter what i think you need a quarterback and that's honestly the biggest thing you just need to find somebody that could play quarterback you. taylor heineke desmond ritter that experiment was yeah we're just gonna we're, we're gonna just leave it it. not pretty not but not not great at all but this is where I'm going to take the big fish. I'm going to say they go. This is where they look at Brian Johnson. Like, please come save us. Do you want Justin Fields? We'll trade our first round pick to get Justin Fields If so the Bears will get rid of him. Oh, they, they're they keeping Justin Fields. All right. We will trade the house to go to pick number one. Then we already have our skill positions like your skill positions are as good as anyone in the league. Kyle Pitts, Drake, London, Bijan John Robinson, go sign a second receiver to be comfortable. John Smith, weirdly productive still for some random reason. OK, pretty good offensive line underratedly good defense. You just need someone to take the snaps and somebody who can call the plays. that's not trying to run the Golden State Warriors through Festus easily bringing Brian Johnson. Let God just what you uh, doing? Hold on, Brian or Ben? Sorry, Ben Johnson. Sorry, okay. not Brian.
0: I just want to make sure because we were just joking about Brian earlier. And
1: yeah, sorry, and, my uh, I, I'm ar- I'm rolling right now. I'm rolling. I'm thinking about what he did with Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery. Now you give him Tyler Algier and Bijan Robinson, Amon Ross, St. Brown, Drake London, Kyle Pitts, like. There's a lot to work with there and just get him somebody under center who could play, whether they trade up to go get a guy, whether they pull a fields or something like that. I don't know. Give them Bo Nix, your boy Bo Nix, even if they Mm. they have to sit and wait, there's a lot that could be done there. That is their biggest hole as head coach and quarterback. The two arguably most important things. If you can knock the head coach out of the park with a guy that could be creative like that. I I like what Atlanta could do. So that's, I'm going to break out the big fish. We're going to break out Ben Johnson. You're sending the blank check to Detroit and he gets to play in a dome again. So he gets to do all that fun, goofy stuff he got to do in Detroit eight to nine times a year, sign me up.
0: That's fair. That's a, that's a fair assessment.
1: Um, I don't have Ben Johnson going there. I have Ben Johnson going
0: somewhere else. Um, I'm going with the goat of the NFL right now, Bill Belichick. I think he needs – if he's going to move away from New England, I think he needs a front office that will get behind him. And I don't think there's another owner out there out, outside of Art Blank that is more happy to get behind his coach. He will give the coach every opportunity, It's probably, especially if Bill Belichick comes in as coach and GM. You better believe he gets every opportunity, and he can win without a co- or without a quarterback. On that note, I also think he brings in Josh McDaniels uh, as his offensive coordinator, and you get that return. But I do think you see Bill Belichick make the trip down south. He talked about was playing in a dome. Well, he gets to coach in a dome now and not have to worry about terrible winter weather. Um, he can now scowl inside of a nice air-conditioned dome uh, with his half-hoodie shirt thing. Um, but, yeah, give me a big ball check going to Atlanta.
1: Atlanta would that'd be a fun twist of events from 28 to 3 to 3 to 28, I guess, as well, to how the turntables have turned. So that would be an interesting reunion. Last but not least, we have the Washington commander sitting on the list yeah, now. Yeah, no, I think we got
0: through We went through we it Vegas after this one.
1: Oh, yeah. Sorry, I skipped Vegas. I'm going to keep mine quick with Vegas, and we'll get out of the way. Antonio Pierce is the guy. Take him right now. He proved as an interim head coach. Do your due diligence knocking everybody out to meet the requirements, but Antonio Pierce is the guy. That's fair.
0: Um, I'm not going to go with Antonio Pierce. I think he should be the guy, but I don't think that's where they go. I think they go drop a bunny check and Ben Johnson slap. Everything you said about Ben Johnson's right, but I think Las Vegas is hoping they'll get something they can restart with offensively. Um, they already have Devontae. Well, now you have Josh Jacobs and you have a pretty decent offensive line. You have Max Crosby on defense. You just need to rebuild some pieces here and there. I think Ben Johnson gets his opportunity in Vegas um, playing for a Interesting family, if to say the least, in the Davises. Um, but I think Vegas gives him his best opportunity to just really take the reins and do what he wants. I don't think there's going to be much control from Davis over Ben Johnson. I think he's going to kind of be like, yeah, it's your offense, your team. You do you. Um,
1: so, yeah, give me Ben Johnson going to Vegas. That would be ironic. it would be the second time they had an interim coach who outperformed the person's job he took that everyone rallied behind. And then they're like, nah. And that would yeah, be the second I'll time. All
0: dog no tricks, man.
1: Exactly. You know what? I, I hope I'm right on this one as well. I, I like Ben Johnson, but I hope I'm a right person.
0: I hope you're right, too, but I don't think – like, no offense. I just don't think this is the one that I, I think you get right.
1: I, I, I get that as well, too, and I get – that's the only situation where I'm like, you shouldn't have hired Ben Johnson necessarily, although they still probably should have, so I won't argue that. Next, last but not least, we have the Washington Commanders. Worst defense in the NFL. Surprisingly okay offense until it just randomly fell off a cliff as well, too. It's like as soon as they lost to the Eagles that second time, the wheels came off and they just fell apart completely. And they traded everybody. There's you have the second pick in the draft. You can get it if you don't want Sam Howell. You can go get a new quarterback there. You'll have your pick of everyone besides Caleb Williams. Arguably, it looks like Terry McLaurin once again another thousand yard receiver season. Somehow, some way, he finds a way to get it done. Jahan Dotson underperforms because they don't throw him the ball. Diami Brown and Curtis Samuel randomly end up with fantasy points every random week because they, it just makes no when sense. They're on my bench yeah, every time. Brian Robinson, Antonio. There's pieces there. You just need a, a distributor and a coach, honestly, at this point, and you need to redo that defense because, my goodness, was that bad? When I look at a defense that needs to be rebuilt, I'm not even leaving the division. I'm heading over to Dan Quinn. I'm like, sir, can you come save us? I f- fix this defense. We just need to be average. I think they should keep Eric bien but I already, I already have a feeling Washington's going to try and clean everything and he's going to go elsewhere, or they're going to take too long twiddling their thumbs. Either way, for fun, I'm going to let Eric bien go elsewhere. So I'm going to say they bring in Dan Quinn try and reignite that defense, try and just get something going. We saw how much Dallas rallied around Dan Quinn, how much they loved him, especially on defense. The players played for him. He loved the players. I think he can get a little bit of that culture in Washington, which, you know, Josh Harris wants a little something, wants something like that too. And with that early pick, he can get the quarterback he feels comfortable with that can lead that offensive side of the ball, kind of like what he had with Matt Ryan during their better days in Atlanta. So give me Dan Quinn staying in the MC East and finally deciding to take that head coaching job in Washington.
0: Yeah. Um I don't hate it. I mean, I would hate to lose Dan
1: Quinn. You hate player. it, but you don't hate it.
0: Yeah, but I don't hate the actual pick of him going and being a coach. I just don't know if he wants to go be a head coach right now.
1: Which is very fair.
0: But yeah, I just, like, after I think his experience in Atlanta, I don't know if he's wanted to go back. And I think he had a great experience in Atlanta as far as the ownership went, the performance on the field, mm, not so much. I think he knows that he's a better coordinator than head coach.
1: And if that's the case, I'll put the asterisks. I'm just gonna say Brian Flores for everything you said about Brian Flores, and just substitute him in for oh. the same exact reasons.
0: And that's exactly fair too. I just uh, Brian Flores is another guy. I'm not sure if he wants a head coaching gig either. I, I think he does. I'm just not sure if he gets one. Um. Yeah. Anyways, hmm. I'm gonna say that the guy's already there. There's a reason this guy left Kansas City. You said him Eric Bannemie. Well, despite all the issues with that offense with that team, that offense still overperformed compared to what it should. That that offense should not have been that good period, but it was. I mean, Sam House shouldn't be giving me 40-plus points in fantasy some weeks. That was just silly, but he did. Um, so Eric Bienemy goes to Washington. I think I'm going to be tortured by that offense going forward. He's going to build a staff because people want to play for him. Coaches want to coach for him. I think there's an opportunity there. They can build a staff. Harris wants to create a new environment. Well, no better guy than to bring in Biennemi who has been loved by every player again. And who knows a thing or two about making quality environmental decisions as far as Kansas City goes and his previous stops along the way. I mean, Ron Rivera is a stand-up coach as well, despite everything. So he Bienemy knows to take the good positives from every one of his other head coaches. So I think Bienname has an opportunity here. He's well deserved opportunity, mind you. And I think you said it earlier, um, talking about him going to Chicago and they should give him a blank check. I agree with everything you said about him. I don't think they give him a blank check because he's already there. He gets a little discount there, but I, I do. I do think he stays in Washington. But they still probably draft a quarterback.
1: In this case, I'm going to take the opposite role of what I said with the base. I hope you're right. I really hope they do. Washington's history is what unfortunately causes me a little concern as well that they don't do. But I really hope you're right because that's the perfect fit. But I already gave him away earlier, because so I feel like Washington drops the ball with that one. But I hope to. Go, I hope you're right because that'll be a fun team. And you give him Jade Daniels or Drake May. If he wants to go off of Sam Howell, if he wants his own quarterback, Lord have I mean, mercy.
0: Potentially Caleb Williams, depending on what Chicago does.
1: God, you give him Caleb Williams. You know, my goodness. You give him a guy comp- that people compare to Patrick Mahomes. You have Eric Biennami that with that. Moving on. We're not talking about this. I'm mad now, just thinking about it. But that's what we're going to do for NFL coach ma- coaching matchmaker. We we'll definitely look forward to seeing how some of these roles play out. But we would be remiss not to mention the wacky wild card weekend we have coming up this weekend. Kelsey, we we have a long show today, so we're gonna keep it quick. We each are gonna pick one matchup that we're stick that sticks out the most for us. In which the NFL script writers cheated this year, they broke out their bag for this one. All, every playoff matchup has a little bit of extra sauce to it, a little bit of extra spice. No, no raisins in the potato salad here. Kelsey, of all the playoff matchups, which one are you watch looking at the most?
0: Yeah, I'm going with the uh, hometown pick here, if you will. I just it's not really hometown. Uh, the Homer pick though. Uh, I'm going Cowboys versus Packers in Dallas place where the Dallas has been giving you 38 points per game undefeated. They have, despite my misgivings on that, all that team, it's an impressive situation what they're doing. Uh, I'll talk about Dan Quinn. You talk about Mike McCarthy going up to the Packers here again. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see the Packers who surprised everybody, um, by getting here. I don't think anybody thought the Packers would make it this far, considering where they started the season. So yeah, give me the Cowboys versus Packers is probably the most interesting
1: game for me this weekend. Mind you, It may not be the most interesting. I am curious because the Packers have kind of been like playoff demons for the Cowboys for a few years as well. To them, the 49ers and just given them fits. Yeah, like Man. those are two of their bugaboos. So I'm curious to see if the Packers can shake that uh, Dallas undefeated, unbeatable at home thing as well. But almost maybe they're too young to notice that the cliche we like. He's on the show a lot. They're too young and too dumb to know. Unfortunate, and nobody fits that role quite like Green Bay right now. But well. I'm going to take the equally low hanging fruit. We're going to call it the revenge matchup, Detroit playing host to their former 12-year quarterback, Matthew Stafford. Future Hall yeah. of Fame quarterback, Matthew Stafford. Maybe, quite possibly. We'll see. That's- definitely definitely on the short list. But the surprise Rams coming into town as well. The Jared Goff facing his former team, Matthew Stafford facing his former team in Detroit. On top of that as well, they're saying like no, no Matthew Stafford jerseys are allowed in the stadium as well. Very A little bit of stank on it as well. They've been saying Ooh. Matthew Stafford's had a little bit of an extra smirk on his look this whole week. I'm I'm excited for this one. This is one heck of a matchup. It's it's not who gets the last laugh because Rams already got a Super Bowl. They already got. Well, they're saying if Detroit wins it this year, then it's dead even. There's a lot that goes into it. I'm looking forward to it. Plus, these offenses on that turf. What's the over? I'm the, the <sighs> preview of DJ's best bets this weekend. We're touching the over. That's what we're looking for this week. And Kyron Williams anytime yeah. touchdown score. I'd say both of our games uh, get an over in this one. The uh, only concern is that the Cowboys defense shows up. The Packers might not help. Still get 38 points from Dallas. you will be good. If I'm thinking the over is gonna be 50, though. No, that's fair.
0: I mean, but yeah, yeah,
1: that's a that's a fair, You
0: can't get two touchdowns from, from Green Bay. I think I think Dak throws a pick in that one. But yeah, no, I think to your point, the Rams Lives. I think that's a hell of an exciting game.
1: So basically, we're looking at the NFC. The AFC has some really good matchups as well, too. But we, you know, we don't have enough show left to get into it because we still have to get into Kelsey's favorite part of every show. That is, of course, Crunch Time. Crunch time brought to you by our good friends over at Outlier. Go to outlier.bet backslash. High-low sports get yourself a free seven-day trial to best smarter, not harder. You could also just look at DJ's best bets, but this gives you an option for the ones that we don't take a look at each week as well. And you know what, Kelsey? It's a sad, somber day for some, but for others, we're rolling tumors right now, and it's time to rejoice as Nick Saban is retiring as the head coach at Alabama. And this is kind of your segment, so I'm going to let you take over for the most part. The last, The only thing I'm going to add to this is since he left Miami high and dry and then went to Alabama, no player who has played four years for him has not won a national championship. That's how consistently outstanding he's been. If anyone played four years for Nick Saban, they won a Natty, if not multiple. That's how absolutely ridiculous his run has been. So Kelsey, um as the designated, I'm gonna just let you take over from here. Um
0: first of all, let me just uh, just give you a nice little sound bite for this one. Uh, that is know, Personal foul,
1: flag on the play. I don't know why, but... Something.
0: No, no, no. Hey, hey, let me say it. That is to the career in which Nick Saban has given us as a head coach. Despite me being an Auburn fan, I gotta say this dude is the GOAT. He is the absolute GOAT of college football coaching. What? There has been no other coach in the history of the game to figure out a way to single-handedly recruit each and every top prospect guaranteeing them they will be sitting not just not playing but sitting and developing just because they'll have a chance at a national championship you just talked about it. four years if a player played four years they they were at least at the very minimum I believe there was a four-year stretch there that they got to the title
1: but I didn't win I think that okay. might be it Actually, it was every the form I saw a player who played all four, four years on team did win a national championship. So there That's were some that played in like three national championships, but had like those losses to Clemson. That's insane.
0: Um, on top of that, at his in his coaching career, he had twenty nine losses, had 44 1st round draft picks, uh, so people. nearly twice as many first round draft picks as uh, cool. losses. Um, insane. I, I I gotta give it up, up to the guy. He, I don't know how he figured it out, but The man figured out how to build a coaching staff, rotate offensive coordinators, and still run the same offense. He built an environment and an organization there that it is plug and play from the coaching staff. And the players made the opportunities. But the players were developed through an idea of giving themselves the best opportunity to get to the next stage. We're talking about Nick Saban, who was a cornerback at Michigan State and who was not good. I'm sorry. He was not a cornerback. In Michigan. He was a cornerback in D2, and he coached corners at Michigan State. He was not a good player. How did he crack the code? We'll never know. The man has never revealed that secret of how he cracked the code of developing future NFL players, and even beyond just the first-round picks. We're talking third, fourth-round picks here. They put out starters in the NFL regularly. There are more players from Alabama under Nick Saban in the NFL than any other program in the any other college program in Nick Saban's tenure at Alabama it's insane there is an insane like the number of stats that you can just run down the line with Nick Saban is is just astounding despite all of that as an Auburn fan I'm glad he's gone Let <laughs> me say that but I'll also say Auburn had the best as a, from a coaching staff standpoint had the best success against him so I don't fully hate Nick Saban which is why I'm able to say this that I think he was the greatest of all time when it comes to college coaches Better than Bear Bryant, better than Newt Rockney, you name the head coach. Better than Pete Carroll, better than all of them. He won in the BCS era. He won in the playoff era, and he never struggled. I mean, realistically, he lost his best coordinators and never struggled. Never missed Listen, a beat. He he gave Alabama its first four Heisman trophies. Probably only should have been three. Right, I digress. Toby Gerhart, hmm. rest in peace—or not rest in peace, but I wish you wish you had the Heisman. Anyways. Most. Um, No, I I mean, honestly, Nick Saban was the GOAT, and I just want to thank him for what he did for college football because without him, Auburn wouldn't have had the fight to get to a national championship in 2010 or 2014. They wouldn't have had that in-state challenge. Uh, There was a five-year stretch there, by the way, in which only Alabama saw a national championship or at least one national championship contender um, under the BCS era. So, yeah. uh, Yeah, you know, it's it's, it's a bittersweet moment. I I do enjoy the fact he's gone, Um, but I will say, I, I mean, He will be missed as a coach, Um, just his presence on the sideline, uh, despite me constantly making fun of him for being a short man with a very big anger problem and breaking way too many headsets, man. Way too many headsets. Um, I do honestly think he was the greatest coach the college football has ever seen and probably will ever see for a long time going forward because they're just too quick to move. Um, So, yeah. No, I, I, you know, honestly, it's bittersweet. So, I'm not going to be mean about this one. I, I You know, I've gotten my jabs in over the years. I think this is a situation where he's just, he deserves the respect. It's a lot like Kobe. Retiring, I, I didn't like the guy when he was playing. Respect his whole whole entire career. Same thing with Nick Saban. So.
1: Absolute tip of the cap on the way out as well. Too always going to remember. What's crazy too is he started when he started. It was like Mark Ingram running the heck out of the ball defense. Greg McElroy playing quarterback. Then as the game evolved, then it turned into two with Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle. Then you had the Amari Coopers and all those different receivers throughout the time there as well. too Jerry Judy. The way they developed into that spread offense, where Tua threw eighty-eight touchdowns in his two and a half years, or whatever it was, and then you see him molding back to a Jalen Milrow read option quarterback running. The different ways they've done it, and then defensively from that heavy four-three personnel to now it's like a nickel stuck with a dime dime base. Like the way they've been, the way he's evolved with the game during that time, with how much it's evolved, is a testament. In addition to his ability to recruit and build a team. So you want been- know the wildest thing: his first
0: quarterback at Alabama was John Parker Wilson.
1: That talk about talk about a name that when you hear it, you're like oh snap like that's talk about we're not, there's Brody Croyle there. exactly the, how times have changed as well too like we but it'll definitely be missed but at the same time I think a lot of people are a lot of teams that go, looking against Alabama are like whoever's next it can't quite be that bad right so even if Alabama's still good at least they're not quite that good for a minute unless Bill Belichick comes to college football or Mike Vrabel
0: in which we're case not- I will
1: try. We're not talking about that. We're not speaking that into existence. We, we're, we're reverse we're reverse psychology now. We're just pretending it's not an option. But that is, that's, a, once again, a tip of the hat to Nick Saban. But that's going to do it here for the High Low Sports Podcast. We appreciate you all for joining us here to talk a little bit about sports ahead of this fun, fun sports weekend ahead. We will see you guys again next week.